Thanks, guys. Can take up that offering. And um, we are going to pray for those that are sick and those travelling and stuff in a second. So while, while all these guys are taking up the offering, I just want you to think about people in your life that may be ill, uh, maybe terminally ill, maybe long-time ill. And I want you to just think about them as we pray today because what we're going to do is we're going to pray and ask that God releases his healing power upon them, all right? So we call this prayer intercession. It's where we're interceding for other people. In other words, sometimes it's also called standing in the gap. So they're not here, but guess what? We're going to pray for them. So we stand in the gap and we um, basically represent them to God. We're praying for them on their behalf I guess it's a little bit like the high priest in the Old Testament where they stood before God uh, for the people. Um, who in your life right now is not well, sick, continually sick? Is there something that you notice that's always in their life? We're just going to pray for them now. Um, so perhaps we could all stand up and uh, just have that person in your heart, all right? So Jesus died on the cross for our healing. There's no doubt about that. The Bible says that by Jesus' stripes... We are healed in Peter, that was in Isaiah, we, we read that this morning actually, Isaiah was read by Ashley. In Peter, it says it differently, it says, by Jesus' stripes you were healed, that this is a past thing and that healing includes emotional, physical, spiritual healing. So let's just think of those people, it might even be yourself, and let's pray for that healing today in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you so much that you are a good and mighty God. Lord, that you said in the word that you are the God that takes sickness and disease out of our midst. Lord, for the people today that we're holding in our heart, we're just asking that your power would rest upon them, Father God, and release them completely from sickness, from, Father God, even if it's a terminal illness, Father God, if it's cancer, Father God, whatever it might be. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask that you would just release your healing power, Father God. We thank you that your word declares that with a long life you will satisfy us and show us your salvation. So we declare it over these people and we ask for your mercy right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Great. Let's keep holding on to that, keep believing. You know that God is such a good God. He wants to bless you with so many blessings. In fact, the word says that Jesus said, you know, that you as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to those who are his children? It's a blessing for us. Well, this morning I'm going to be talking about tithing. You heard me just say before about tithes and offerings. You know, we get our tithes and offerings. And uh, why, why do I want to talk about that? I guess there's a, a number of reasons. It's just really to challenge our heart, firstly of all. Um, is tithing something that we need to do, should do, have to do? What is the deal with tithing? Or is it not? But is there a blessing with it still? Is there not? Do we live differently now that the old covenant is gone, which is where tithing was? It was placed in the old covenant, a law given to the Jews. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. What, what's the deal with this? What I would like to do is just really, I guess, talk about the heart behind what we do. Because actually tithing is not specifically mentioned in the New Testament to say you must tithe, you must give 10%. 
There's other things in there that talks about those that are generous givers and things like that. But tithing has been a, a, uh, a practice of Christians for a very long time. It's something that was implemented early on. It's, um, it's a consistent Christian practice that's been around for years. I was thinking about this in my life. Where did I first hear about tithing? Um, when was the first time I was challenged in this area in my life? And I've got to say that my first sort of taste of giving wasn't anything to do with tithing. It was actually watching my dad at church. Very interesting. And also in his life in general. Back in the old days at St. Peter's where I went, they used to have wooden bowls that came around and they'd pass them around between everyone and, and people would put their money in, so it was very obvious. <laughs> there was no online giving back then, so it was cash only. Um, and my dad, I remember him putting in like a $20 note or... A, or $40 or something like that. And back in those days, which was you know, probably in the 70s, that was actually a reasonable amount of money. I remember my dad being one of the people that supported the planting of at least three churches, maybe four. I remember him being really instrumental in planting the Christian Schools Association that's in the Northern Territory. I remember him being part of the building fund to raise funds for that so that they could build it so they could do God's work. But I hadn't really heard about tithing. I just saw this generosity in my dad over all that time and I, I actually, thinking back on it now, I'm blown away by what I saw. He's still the same today. On a Saturday, if you come into the cafe, my dad is volunteering in the back room doing dishes, going out, collecting dishes from the tables and, and just giving his heart into the service of God wherever he is. He's never changed. His, his heart is so much for the things of God, the things of the kingdom. Is he perfect? Not at all. But throughout all this time, I've always seen this heart of giving. And I know my dad tithes now. And when I first heard about it, I guess I was a teenager, this tithing thing. And, and actually, it makes a lot of sense to me. But I want to make something very clear here. I'm going to talk about tithing as a principle today, not a command for us. All right. So if we think about the laws that were before Jesus came, so back in the Old Testament, there's, there's three types of laws that were there. There's a ceremonial law, so that might be make sure you wash your hands before you come into this place and you have to go through these certain motions that, that represented what was to come. The civil law, so in other words, these are laws for the country that, that you need to do. Tithing would probably sit in that area where God said, these are the laws I want you to to follow, and then there's the moral laws. They're unchangeable. But what about the, the ceremonial and civil laws? Do they change? Absolutely, they do. And the civil law has changed for a really good reason for us when it, when it comes to giving or tithing or whatever it might be. But the principles of what it is can flow through today. What does tithe actually mean? Well, it just means tenth, that's it. So 10%. If I said to someone, do you tithe? And they said, yeah, I tithe. That meant that they give 10% of whatever they get to the work of God. They're saying it belongs to him. And that comes from the old Jewish laws where it talks about the first fruits. Whatever you get, the first 10% is holy and belongs to God. In fact, the tithe in the Old Testament, though, is probably greater than that. Because of the different tithes people have worked out, not myself, but lots of people, because I read lots about it, that it's probably between 22 to 30% of their, their actual 
income or their produce went to God or to feed the poor or to support the priests, whatever it might be. And the reason that I want to talk about tithing is I really believe that it's an important theme because it is a symbol of how God calls us to live as stewards rather than owners. And that's, the, that's sort of what I'll be looking at today. For us as Christians, that God is calling us to be stewards of what we have. Now, some will hear the word tithing and they're like, yeah, but I don't have to tithe. I'm, you know, under grace. That's great. That's awesome. You don't have to do anything, actually. I can stand up here and preach a message about forgiveness. You don't have to forgive even though God says it. I can stand up here and preach a, 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 a message about, hey, don't lie to one another, and you go out the door and lie to someone. That's the beauty of us living under grace, in a way. It's horrible that we're disobedient to God, but we are given a choice to do whatever we want. Not that every choice is a wise one, of course. But here's the question that, that I want you to consider with your own life. If this is a question that you ask, is how little can I give and still please the Lord? I'd suggest your heart isn't in the right place with that question. In fact, when we start to enter into the generous giving that God calls us to, it's a doorway to open yourself up to God's blessing. And we will look at that later on, what that means. Because it doesn't mean you're just going to be a rich person. God's not the slot machine that you go in and you put your 10% in and ching, here comes 100% extra. That's not what it means at all. But there's this blessing that comes from God and it's a doorway to open up blessing from him. And I can show you that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is what we'll be looking at. Two passages that when we look at them, you're like, actually, isn't that exactly the same thing? what is said here. Let me be very clear, God loves you whether you give or don't give. That's not a way to earn God's love at all. But what I want you to consider this morning is tithing something that I really need to think about in my life. Is this something that I could be or should be entering into? And even more than that, the generous giving that God has called us to as Christians. The grace giving it's funny how we can often think the law constricts us, but it also is our friend sometimes. Because when we've got a law, we can live by the minimum of the law, can't we? We go, you know, yeah, well, God said 10% back in the Old Testament. I'm going to make that a law in my life, so it's 10% and that's it. Everything else is mine. And you see, when Jesus spoke about sin and about the Ten Commandments, he said this, he said... It says, don't commit adultery. But I'm telling you that if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. It says, not murder. But I'm telling you, if you're even angry at your brother, you are in danger of murdering them. In your heart, you've already murdered them. You've already killed them. And then he talked about, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you can't see the kingdom of God. If you actually look at that teaching of Jesus, we could actually go, well, actually, can anyone be a Christian? Because Jesus is now asking me to do far more than I used to do. You know, before I just didn't have to commit adultery, but now I've got to stop looking at porn. Jesus said, don't murder someone, but now I can't actually hate that person and see the kingdom of God. 
Jesus wasn't saying that it's impossible, but he was saying the righteousness that can come to you will be when I die, when the grace of God falls upon you and you will have the law of God written in your heart and your righteousness is in Christ Jesus and you are now set free from all of that so you live beyond the law. That's grace. It empowers you to a life higher than the law. So think about that. Tithing in itself has absolutely nothing to do with giving God money. Did you know that God is not actually waiting for our offering, our our tithes, so that he can lay some more gold bricks in heaven? (laughs) He's actually already got enough stuff, if we're thinking in those terms. He's not waiting for that. So, So if God's saying to you guys, it's a really good idea to tithe... Back in the Old Testament, it's a law to tithe, and in the New Testament, it's a call to generous giving. Why is God telling us to do that? Let me throw it out here that it's probably because we need it, not him. We need it, not him. For us, it's a part of teaching us how to actually manage money and also learn to fear him, reverence and honour him. There's a couple of verses here. One is in Luke. So this is probably what you'd call maybe the only time Jesus mentioned tithing specifically. He was talking about the bad heart of people that are giving. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In other words, Jesus is saying, yep, it's actually a good thing to tithe. This is in the Old Testament, though. Remember that? Before Jesus died, still the Old Testament. They are living under it. Let's look at Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23. This is the tithing, and at the bottom you'll see what, what God wants us to learn from it. Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honoured and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you to fear the Lord your God. There's a lesson in it. What does fear mean? Does it it teach us to be afraid of God? No, this word fear is to reverence and honour God. So when the tithe was set up, part of it was so that you can actually remember that God is God. That he deserves some honour and praise. And let me tell you, one of the hardest things to give God is your money. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know if you're saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but it is, right? What tugs at your heart more than anything else when you're not a Christian? And sometimes even when you are a Christian, my money, it's there. I want to hold it close. And you know what? Most people don't have money, not because they don't get money, but because they've got bad management of it. And what can happen often is that people with financial problems will fail to do the most important thing first as a Christian, which is to obey and honour God with their resources and put the kingdom first so that God can supply the rest. And this is Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else 
and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. In other words, when you fail to honour God, you're saying, God, I trust myself, or even worse, I trust money. So tithes and offerings, I'll put offerings in there, are not about money, but about the management of it. How do we steward what God has given us? Can you consistently put aside 10% of everything for his purpose. What's he after with that? He's after your discipline, your will, and your control of that finance to be put in place. Dave Ramsey says this, that when you tithe before making a plan with the rest of your money, you're making it a priority instead of an afterthought. And so as Christians, what's your thought with your money? Is God the afterthought? What's left over, God, I'll give to you? Interesting question to ask, right? Or is this a priority? Before everything else, I'm going to say, God, I want to honour you. Now, let me ask you this question, all right? How much of everything belongs to God? Is it 5%? 10%? 100%? I'd say 100%. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. In other words, 100% of everything belongs to God. Is that not true? Okay. So here we go. You're going to tithe your 10%. There's 90% left over. Which part of that belongs to God? Anyone think 10%? Anyone think 90%? What about 100%? Still all God's, isn't it? But you're honouring him with something that he's given you. You're giving it back to him. 90% is left over, but guess what? That money still belongs to God. In fact, all of it belongs to God. All of your resource, all of whatever you have belongs to God. Your breath, your life, your time, your talent, your treasure... A hundred percent of that is now surrendered to him. Is that not right? As a Christian, I think it is. So this is the question. What is God doing with the 90%? God's saying, give me 10%. When you tithe, that's what you do. You give 10%. What's What's the deal with the other 90%? God is giving that to you to manage as a steward still belongs to him. You become a steward of God's resources. The 10% basically is a reminder to us that everything belongs to him. It keeps us on track. And when you start to tithe, this is how it helps you. Number one, it makes you accountable. You're accountable for what you do with God's stuff. Number two, it helps you be disciplined because you're taking control of something. You're saying, every week I'm putting aside this amount, whatever it might be. It makes you honest. It tests your honesty. Because no one's watching. No one's looking. No one's counting how much you put in. No one's finding out your wage and and working out how much you get and what you're giving. It makes you diligent. You're constantly looking at it, working with it. It shows you're faithful. 
and it shows you're trustworthy. So let, let me go through that list again. I'll just have a drink before I run out of breath. All right. These characteristics. Let's just say you're looking for a manager for your business. All right. Whatever it might be, or a new principal for your school. Whatever it might be. Just tell me what you think about these characteristics in a manager. They're accountable. Yep, tick. They're disciplined, yep. They're honest, wonderful. They're diligent, excellent, faithful. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? And they're trustworthy. You see, when you're tithing, these things are brought into your life because you have made a decision that whatever is God's belongs to him, which is everything. But you also understand that whatever's left, when I give to God, whatever amount it is, whatever is left over still belongs to God, doesn't it? But there's that test, I guess, in tithing. And aren't they good characteristics for a manager? Now, even more importantly, let's have a look at what God links managing your money well with. So Luke 16, verse 10 to 13. If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? That hits pretty hard sometimes for me when I read it. Because what it's doing is linking how I manage my money, how I look after my money, 100% of it belonging to God, translate to what God will actually trust me with according to spiritual things. So this is a question that we need to ask. Am I trustworthy with money? Because if I'm not, am I faithful with my money? Because if I'm not, am I disciplined with my money? Am I honest? Am I faithful? Am I trustworthy then it's saying to me right now that you will not be trusted with spiritual things if you can't even be trusted with money, with whatever God has given. There's things to consider in this, like when we're talking about tithing itself. Please do not tithe your unsaved husband or wife's money. That's just going to cause trouble and chaos. Should I always tithe? What if, what if I'm in debt? Here's a clue. Put God first. It should still be a priority in your life. Why? Because quite often it's because we haven't surrendered that part of our life to God that we're in trouble already. So make it a priority. And I just want to just compare two scriptures with you because we're talking about giving and tithing, generous giving under grace, tithing under the law. But I just want to show you something that you give God an opportunity to do in blessing you. First, we'll be looking at Malachi 3, verse 10 and 11, but the verses before this talk about robbing God. It's like, should you rob God by not bringing in your tithes and offerings? Now here's a question for you. If God owns everything and he doesn't need money, 
How are we robbing God by not bringing that into him? Perhaps this might be it. We are robbing God of the opportunity to bless us the way he wants to. And that is thieving from him something he wants to do for us. So let's read Malachi 3, verse 10 and 11. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven armies. Now, here's a problem. We can make tithing a law in our heart and we're like, if I don't tithe, my, my tithes are going to fall off my car, everything's going to go wrong and God doesn't love me. No, but you are robbing God of an opportunity here. And you're like, yeah, but this is under the law and that's how it applied. If they did this, then God would do that. It's not the same today. Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 11. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now, when I looked at these verses, I was really struck by how similar they actually are. The Old Testament, the New Testament, but it's put in different words. Why? Because the law constricts and contains you. You aren't relying on the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and say, God, how much should I give? And let's face it, for some people, 10% is a walk in the park. There's no sacrifice in 10% at all. For other people, it is a struggle. And there's other areas of giving which I'm not looking at today or next week, so please come next week, (laughs) which is the sacrificial giving and offering, which is above that tithe. So again, how much does God own? 100%. What are we robbing God of? This opportunity to show himself to you that if you trust me, I'm going to provide all your needs, but even more than that. We see in Malachi there's enough for the food in the temple. In other words, the spiritual needs are are met. There's going to be a blessing so great that the barns aren't even going to be able to hold us. Hold it, sorry. So it's not only supplying your needs, but there's extra. The other word that isn't in this version of the Bible, but in New King James, it would say the devourer is rebuked. In other words, the things that take from you, God stands in the way. The things that are trying to be stolen from you, like he talks about it in terms of the fields, that you know your fruit's not going to fall off early, there's not going to be insects and things eating it and taking it, but you're going to get all that increase. Compare this to the 2 Corinthians verse. It's no different really, is it? What's God going to do to those who sow abundantly? It says, I'm going to generously provide all you need and even more. There's going to be an increase in your resources and the seed that you can sow. But in any case, in any case, it's not so you can be rich. 
It's so that you can continue to grow the kingdom of God and be more generous. In fact, it says that, that because of that, you're going to have more than enough than what you need so that you can give more. There's something that God places on that. He will provide every need you have. The generous sower, the one who sows many seeds, what does it say they'll get? A generous crop. And so when we tithe or when we give or whatever it is, it boils down to this. What is your faith in God? What is your trust in God? Do you really believe that God owns 100%? And do you really believe that he will supply everything you need? And that when you give to him, he is not taking from you, but you are in your heart deciding without the pressure, without being forced to do it, that I want to give to him. It seems to me that when we start to think about this, when we start to think, because we can get guilty, can't we? Like that Malachi verse, I've heard plenty of times, you know, don't you rob God, bring it in. But when we start to think, am I robbing God of this opportunity to show who he is to me, it starts to take on a totally different meaning. And I believe when we don't have our hearts open with generous giving, and for myself, I believe in tithing. I think it's good for me. I'd say it's probably one of the best things I've done in my life, to be honest. I've never been forsaken by God. There were hard times, I tithed. There were good times, I tithed. The point of it being this, that I'm trusting God at all times to say, God, you said you promised. I'm going to continue to be faithful to you because I know you'll continue to be faithful to me. And the robbery that we commit when we don't give to God and his work is this, that we take away God's opportunity to bless us. And under the old covenant, as I read out, and the new covenant, it seems that our obedience to giving and our generosity opens up our lives for increase from God. Not to be rich, but to give even more. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for everything you've done. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we do have to trust you. Lord, I just pray that uh, the message this morning will be received with right hearts. Lord, because we don't want people to give from pressure because they have to or anything like that. But Lord, we do want to submit to you. So this morning, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Before we um, end with some singing, maybe you're here this morning and you've never actually given your life to God. I just want to give this opportunity for you to do that. You heard this morning, as Ashley talked about Jesus, that he paid a terrible price for your sin. He hung on the cross for you. He was beaten for you. He took sin for you. He took the shame for you. He suffered for you. Why? So that you can have new life. You can be forgiven of your sin. This morning, perhaps you're sitting there and you're thinking, I just need Jesus. I know I do. Just going to pray in a minute. You just pray with me and ask Jesus into your life. Ask him to come in. 
because that is how you will find the peace that you're looking for. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so sorry that I haven't been walking with you. Today I'm asking that you'll forgive me in Jesus' name. I accept that Jesus died for my sin and it's a free gift that you're giving me, this salvation, and I just want to grab it this morning from you. Forgive me, I pray. From this day on, I just want to live for you. Come into my life. Set me free from the sin, the baggage in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, please talk to a friend or if you want, I'll be up here at the end. You can come and chat with me and say how I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor. In fact, you can just call me Neil. I prefer that. <laughs> Pray with you, Neil. I want to I know what it is to be a Christian. Can you help me? Or ask your friend, how can you help me? Ask your family member. What's my next step? Because God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you.